Hi, this is Ben, and this is Ben's Week in Medical School, sharing knowledge about the human body and glimpses into life in medical school. This podcast is for your entertainment and education. I do my best to present accurate information, but this podcast is not professional medical advice. It's a personal project, and it does not represent the views of my medical school or any organizations I'm affiliated with. Welcome back. This is podcast episode 21, and I'm just wrapping up week 24 of medical school. Almost half a year, and I keep chugging along. Today I have some news about COVID vaccines, and I have a bunch of questions that I wanted to answer. We're still in the hematology-oncology part of our class, so most of the questions are about antibodies and about blood. My big news is that I got a COVID vaccine last week. Um, the hospital where our student doctors and residents train had some open vaccination time slots, and some of us preclinical students signed up to receive a vaccine dose. I'll be getting my second dose uh, the week after next. I got the Pfizer vaccine. It went well. My arm was sore for a day afterward, but I didn't have any other effects. I had mixed feelings about getting the vaccine because I don't feel like I'm at as high of a risk as other people in the state of Michigan, people that are working in transportation, grocery workers, in-person teachers, corrections officers, prisoners. Um, There's really a long list of people, but I did decide to get it when I was offered the opportunity. I want to be able to start doing more work in the clinics and volunteering in the community. And so I felt like that kind of justified getting a vaccine The other thing is that there have been problems distributing the vaccine to all the people that need it in the state, like the logistics for keeping the different vaccines cold and finding people who are able to leave work at a certain time and then go take the vaccine um, are actually pretty complicated. So hospitals get a certain amount of doses and can't immediately find people in all the specific categories to take them, or at least in the first most high priority categories. I felt like there was no point in leaving the vaccine offer on the table because it doesn't necessarily mean that hypothetically someone at much higher risk is going to be available to sign up and take that vaccine dose. I had this idea that once the state of Michigan got a million doses of vaccine, we would instantly convert that into a million vaccinated people. And it's more complicated than that. Um, I'm thankful to have been vaccinated and I don't plan to change any of my behaviors like mask wearing. The big upside for me is that I'll start volunteering and doing more clinical work like at the asthma clinic and at the emergency department once I'm fully vaccinated. I'm going to go into a few questions. The first question is this from email. How does a person's body acquire antibodies to a disease? Is the only natural, i.e. non-vaccine related way by contracting the disease? Our immune system makes antibodies against pathogens before they've ever seen those pathogens. We already have an antibody to every pathogen that we will ever see, and it's floating around somewhere, waiting until it matches up with an invader and can sound the alarm. So how does this all work? I have to make a quick digression to explain how this works inside of our cells. There's this theorem called the infinite monkeys theorem. And the idea is that if you have an infinite number of trained monkeys that can type at a keyboard, eventually one of them will write 
the complete works of William Shakespeare, just by random chance. If you have enough, a universe full of monkeys all typing randomly, one of them somewhere is just going to happen to, by chance, type all the right letters in, in the right order to write the complete works of William Shakespeare. The same thing is happening inside of B cells, which are the cells that make the antibodies. They all start the same, but then cellular machinery alters the DNA at random, adds little bits here and there, chops, reassembles, and what you end up getting is a final form which has a very unique shape that's different from cell to cell. Every cell, every B cell, and we have billions of these B cells, has a very specific shaped antibody that will stick to a certain pathogen. This sort of Velcro magnet attraction between the antibody and the pathogen. That B cell is just going to kind of sit around in our body waiting for something to come along and activate it. Meaning that when, when its antibody sticks to something, then it's going to say, oh my gosh, I'm finally useful and start making tons more of the antibody. Another thing is, with all these randomly generated antibodies floating around, why do we get sick ever? If you believe that the body has made an antibody to anything, why don't we fight off every infection um, immediately, and how do we ever get sick? Well, the main thing is that once the cell with the antibody meets up with its unique pathogen, that cell is signaled to go into hyperdrive and make many, many, many copies of the antibody. It'll even make more copies of the entire cell itself, so that in the future, the body will have lots of antibodies ready to go. This takes days to happen. So we already have the antibodies that we need, but they haven't been activated, primed to respond and totally overwhelm an, an invader until after the first time we're exposed to that invader and can recognize it. So that's the purpose of vaccines, is that they actually activate antibodies that we already have by showing our immune system parts of a dangerous pathogen. And then when one of those viruses lands on your lungs or in your eye, gets inoculated into your skin through a cut, it gets covered by antibody almost on contact, and there's plenty more, and they can neutralize it and prevent it from actually taking hold in your body. So here's another question. In some contexts, it seems that one's Blood type is absolutely crucial for caregivers to know immediately with no time to lose, like when needing to add fresh blood to someone who's bleeding in the emergency room. Isn't it curious that someone's blood type is a rather hidden piece of identity and isn't on our driver's licenses or something? That's a great question. I want to start out by talking about blood types and what they are and then finish with the direct answer to this question. I know it's not seasonal anymore, but for blood types, let's imagine that each of your blood cells has little Christmas trees on the outside of, of them. They're decorative and they don't really impact how well the blood cell does its job, but they have these little Christmas trees all around. Each of us inherit a kind of elf that decorates those trees. And we inherit one of these elves from our biological mom, one from our biological dad. These elves decorate the tree, and there are three kinds of elves. We can get angel elves that decorate the tree with pretty glittering ornaments. We can get bully elves that are sneaky and mean and decorate the tree with spiky ornaments. And the last kind of elf is above it all and can't be bothered to decorate the tree at all. It is the obstinate elf. So we can inherit an angel elf from mom and from dad, in which case all of our blood cells will have um, Christmas trees entirely with pretty glittery, shiny ornaments, 
or we can inherit an angel elf from dad and a bully elf from mom, in which case our blood cell Christmas trees will have a mix of glittery ornaments and spiky thorny ornaments, all on the same tree. Then we could actually have inherited two obstinate elves, one from mom and one from dad, in which case they're, these elves are above it all and they don't decorate the tree at all. And the Christmas trees are bare. Now I should say, you can only inherit one of these elves if your parents have that elf to begin with. So if mom has an angel elf and a bully elf and dad only has obstinate elves, well, you're going to get an obstinate elf from dad and either an angel elf or a bully elf from mom. Now comes the compatibility aspect of these blood types. We talked about how there are antibodies to everything already in our bodies kind of waiting to be activated. This is why I wanted to put these two topics together. There's a system where we get rid of antibodies that exist to things that our own cells make. We want to have antibodies to every single pathogen that could hypothetically be out there, but we also need to make sure that we discard any antibody if it's a perfect match for something that already exists in our body that we produce ourselves. So in come these Christmas trees. If we inherit two angelic elves, our body will realize that it must destroy any antibodies that would attack the shiny glittery ornaments on the Christmas trees. We'd be killing our own blood cells. Likewise, if you have angelic and bully elves, then your body must destroy any antibodies to glittery shiny things and to the spiky thorny ornaments that the bully elves put on the tree. So what if you have obstinate elves? Your tree is not decorated at all, so your body can keep all of the antibodies that might match against glittery shiny ornaments or spiky thorny ornaments. Having a pair of obstinate elves as your pair of elves is called having type O blood. Someone with type O blood has an empty Christmas tree and their body doesn't destroy the antibodies to any of the other types of ornaments. So they are actually, they retain antibodies that might attack angelic glittery shiny ornaments or the bully spiky thorny ornament ornaments. So if someone with type O blood, empty Christmas tree, gets blood from someone with either glittery thorny angelic ornaments or spiky thorny bully ornaments, antibodies in that person with type O's O blood will go nuts because they were never degraded before. On the other hand, if someone with type A blood with shiny glittery ornaments gets some O blood, this O blood that they receive doesn't have anything special on it, and that's fine because there's no ornaments on that Christmas tree for the antibodies to react to. So in the end, anyone can get blood from someone else with either the same ornaments on their tree or with fewer types of ornaments on their tree. AB is considered the universal recipient because any of the blood that they could get has either the same ornaments, shiny and thorny, or fewer ornaments on their Christmas trees. Type O blood is called the universal donor. That's people that have the empty Christmas tree on their blood because you can give that blood to anyone else, and since it doesn't have any ornaments on its Christmas tree, they won't make any reaction to it. There's another one that's called positive and negative, and you could think of that just as Christmas lights on the tree. Some people also have an elf that puts Christmas lights on, and some people don't have that, that extra elf. Um, if you have it, your AB, you could be positive. So you could be AB positive, you could be O positive. If you don't have the Christmas lights on your tree, you're going to have negative at the end. You could be A negative, O negative, AB negative, B negative. 
So the last part of it is, why don't we have this on our um, driver's licenses? Why doesn't everybody know their blood type all the time? So here's a couple things to think about. First, um, you can pretty safely give anybody O negative blood. So if you have O negative blood, if you have somebody that comes in, you don't know anything about them, they've never been to your hospital before, you can just give them O negative blood and feel pretty confident that it's going to be fine. It's safe to give people O negative when, they, when they're untyped. But if you already have the information in your hospital system, then you, can get their, then you can get their blood type out of that system and give them the correct type of blood and save the O negative, which is very, very useful and valuable for somebody else that comes along that needs it. So that's it for the show today. We talked about the COVID vaccine. Um, we talked about infinite monkeys and Christmas elves. Um, next week, I'm going to talk about sickle cell anemia. And we're also going to be transitioning into our oncology part of the course. So I should have some nuggets of information about oncology as well. Thanks always to David Funkhauser for our theme music. Send any of your questions to b-r-o-o-t at fastmail.com. Have a great week, everybody.